Canadian tourist and student is on a solo vacation on the west coast of the United States. In mid-January 2013, she seemingly vanishes from her Los Angeles hotel without a trace. Almost a month later, she was found dead in one of the most bizarre cases of the unsolved. This is a dark tale, and this is the unexplained death of Elisa Lamb. There is a major new development. Thanks for coming back to A Dark Tale. With me is a guy who's good enough, smart enough, and doggone it, people actually really like him, okay? So stop leaving one-star reviews. Hi, everybody. How you doing, Joe? What's up? Welcome back. It's good to be here. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for telling a friend. What do you got for us? We got a good one. This is a highly talked about case, and um, it, it's uh, it's pretty mysterious in that it's somewhat unsolved, and uh, there's a lot of paranormal speculation so this is our first yeah this is our first kind of like i don't want to call it a crossover episode because we're not really focusing on paranormal stuff but this one is about elisa lamb a young canadian tourist slash student who was on a uh, west coast vacation by herself in 2013 went missing and she unfortunately turned up dead. She was doing a getaway from college and she wanted to do a solo trip and around the west coast of the US. Right. She checked in with her parents often. Her parents were often worried about her traveling alone because she had a few mental health issues, namely bipolar disorder. Yeah, she was being, being treated for bipolar disorder, but uh, it's my understanding that bipolar disorder isn't something that can be specifically diagnosed. It, it's, it's just symptoms you're treated for. So her, her parents had actually requested that she not go on this trip, but they understood that she was an adult at this point. She's 21. She can do what she wants. But they just asked that she stay in contact with them. And she did so. She checked in with them pretty much every day. She was gone at least once a day. She held an active social media life too, uh, namely Tumblr. She held a blog where she would uh, post pictures about the trip and stuff. I, I don't know what Tumblr really is, is for. That's, uh, the, the whole th thing about Tumblr is that you can create your own blog and it can just literally be about whatever you want. You don't, okay. need, you don't need knowledge of creating a website. You can just make your own homepage similar to other social media sites and you can blog about whatever you want. A lot of people tend to have like specific blogs that can really be yeah, about yeah. anything. I see. So in this case, it was just her general life and she was even blogging about her West Coast tour. Yeah, that's what she was calling it, uh, her West Coast tour of the United States. She arrived in Los Angeles January 26th and she checked into the Hotel Cecil at 640 South Main Street in downtown LA. I'm gonna give a little brief history of the Hotel Cecil and the area that it occupies. 
The hotel was built in 1924. I think it was opened in 27 with 19 floors and 600 rooms. The hotel doubled as an extended stay hotel with daily and weekly rates, as well as floors dedicated to long-term tenants. So there was residents who would live there yeah. for years upon years. And at the same time, you had people staying for, you know, hours, days, right. or sometimes weeks. So it was a very mixed crowd inside the, the Cecil Hotel. Upon its completion, the Hotel Cecil boasted an opulent marble lobby with stained glass windows, potted palm trees, and alabaster statuary. Mm, lavish. So in the 20s, it was certainly considered lavish, yes sir. Now the hotel itself has a checkered history. Uh, the area around the hotel started to decline quickly in, in the 30s and 40s, and a series of violent suicides and other violent deaths on the premises became more frequent. The first documented suicide at the Cecil was reported in 1931 when a guest named W.K. Norton, you know he was from 1931 yeah. because his name starts with initials. Yeah, he's got the two initial name. Yeah. W.K. Norton died in his room after taking poison capsules. It was the first suicide recorded. I picture his last day was riding one of those tricycles with a gigantic front wheel. A penny farthing. <laughs> Don't ask me how I know that. Throughout the 40s and 50s, more suicides at the Cecil occurred. Back in 1947, the famous Elizabeth Short, dubbed by the media as the Black Dahlia, was rumored to have been spotted drinking at the Cecil's bar in the days just before her notorious and gruesome unsolved murder. By the 1960s, longtime residents had begun to call the Cecil the Suicide Hotel. In 1964, a retired telephone operator named Pigeon Goldie, Osgood. Pigeon Goldie is, I guess, a nickname. That's another indicator of the times. Yeah, 64. Yeah, it's a sign of the times. Pigeon Goldie, who had been a well-known and well-liked long-term resident at the hotel, was found dead in her room. She had been raped, stabbed, and beaten, and her room was ransacked. A man named Jacques B. Ellinger was charged with Osgood's murder, but he was later cleared of all charges, and her death still remains unsolved. So this is just a checklist of everything, some, some of the highlights of the... Of the, 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 the history, that checkered past that you, that you questioned. And I'm sure we'll... If, if we have, if this podcast continues, if people keep supporting us, we'll, we'll touch on the Black Dahlia, certainly, and uh, yeah. Pigeon Goldie Osgood. Perhaps most infamously, in the 1980s, the hotel was rumored to be the residence of serial killer Richard Ramirez, a.k.a. the Night Stalker. Ramirez had been a regular presence on the Skid Row area of L.A., mm -hmm. and according to a hotel clerk, who claims to have spoken to him, he is rumored to have stayed at the Cecil for a few weeks. But uh, Ramirez may have engaged in part of his killing spree while staying at the hotel. Um, there was another killer, serial killer that stayed there as well, an Austrian man named, um, I'm, I'm going to get this last name totally wrong, 
Jack Utenweger. That's probably right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just call him Jack. He stayed at the Cecil in 1991, possibly because he sought to copy Richard Ramirez's crimes. Another Copy wannabe. Her. While there, he strangled and killed at least three sex workers, for which he was convicted in Austria. Odd they didn't charge him here. Hmm. Either way, after his conviction, he hung himself shortly after. Nice. I, I like when there's a happy ending. Yeah, for the rapists yeah. and the serial killers. Yeah. So what does all this mean for the case? Well, this is just to give you an idea of the tainted history of the Cecil Hotel, the seediness surrounding it, and um, it's since been gentrified, the area, like, like everything has been gentrified and has been renamed to uh, Stay on Main. I tried to look at their website, but there's no website, so I don't know how well the hotel is doing. But it was named a historic landmark. I know that much. Well, let's get to let's get back to Elisa Lamb. That's just a little bit about where she was staying. Okay. Which will, you know, it's it's kind of a creepy place. You could say that it has a bit of a creepy history, to say the least. And for Elisa Lamb's story, things that come to light are just as creepy. So Elisa had been in L.A. for six days. Upon checking into the hotel, she had initially booked a shared room, sort of like a hostel, if you will, mm -hmm. a setup where you share room with strangers at a reduced rate. It's, it's popular in Europe. Anyway, a few days after, there were a few complaints of Elisa's acting strangely towards others. Although I couldn't find any details about how she was acting, or things that she may have said to the roommates that she was with. All I could find was information stating that people didn't want to be around her anymore because she was making everybody there very uncomfortable. That's as much as I could dig up. But at the end of the day, she was moved to her own room. I found out after hearing about this and reading much more into it that she had recently relapsed into a bad mental state and for that reason, she took a break from classes at the University of British Columbia, where she was enrolled. She was technically not enrolled in any classes. She was taking a break. She was taking a break. She wasn't in the best state of mind. With that in mind, coupled with the fact that her parents were somewhat concerned about her traveling alone, I wonder, maybe Elisa was trying to readjust her body to the medications she was on. And I say medications because she was taking, a, I believe it's a total of four medications, but a mixture of mood stabilizers, antidepressants, and a medication for ADHD. I, 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 don't, I don't want to try and say all the names because I'm terrible with all the technical names. They found prescription receipts. They found... Her prescription and found that she had recently filled all of her prescriptions in addition to that they found that she had extra meaning that she filled them maybe a little sooner than she should have or maybe wasn't taking all that she should have yeah so maybe if she was you know getting back onto her medication or maybe not taking her medication her body was in 
not in sync. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's and staying cool. in a room with a group of strangers, you know, maybe Elisa wasn't in the greatest state of mind to be making first impressions. And that puts some people off. Those people more or less say to the hotel staff, hey, we can't deal with this girl. She's staying with us. She's driving us all nuts. She's help driving us crazy. You got to help us out. You got to do something. And in doing so, Elisa gets her own room. Hmm. That's, you know, I, I don't know her state of mind, but. Right, because we don't have any clear quotes. Exactly. I don't have any clear quotes as to her state of mind and things she was specifically saying. Yeah, I guess my question there would be, was she taking her meds as directed? I, I'm just I'm just trying to profile the situation with what's in front of us. Mental health is something I don't know enough about and something we should, as a country, talk about more openly and, yeah, and definitely take more seriously. We said earlier that she was constantly checking in with um, mom and dad back home. You know, she had promised to do so, and she did this via text, phone call, email, one way or the other. She was letting her parents know that she was okay. She was enjoying the trip. This all ceased on January 31st. All contact with her parents stopped. Elisa is spotted by a staff member of the Cecil Hotel in the lobby. This is the same day that she is scheduled to check out. She was planning to go to Santa Cruz next, but she never does so. This inaction by Elisa sparks the initial search for her. The staff checks her room, sees her belongings are still there, and they call the police. I guess that's just protocol, but staff alerted police one way or the other. Yeah, at that point, it's just a missing person. Yeah. Shortly after her family flew to L.A., they'd probably heard from the police after they were contacted, but they wanted to help any way they could. So police searched the hotel to the full extent that they could legally. They searched Elisa's room and had dogs go through the building, including the rooftop. But the canines were unsuccessful in detecting her scent. Sergeant Rudy Lopez later said, Quote, we didn't search every room. We could only do that if we had probable cause to believe a crime had been committed. And like you said, James, as far as anybody knows, this is just a missing person. Right. So, And if there was a possibility that another tenant did something and somehow got, got her... If there was proof of that. Yeah, got her into somebody else's room or something, then they could have searched other rooms. But they, there Absolutely. was no reason to search anything beyond her room and the public areas of the hotel. Probably, yeah. Then they probably got permission for, you know, maybe not so much common areas, maybe staff areas. They probably got permission to to look around everywhere like that. But as far as other rooms, occupied rooms, I don't think they had that, that legal right. But was that the last time anybody actually saw her, was just right there in the lobby? Physically, yes. February 6th, a week after Elisa had been seen, the LAPD decided more help was needed. Flyers of her image were posted in the neighborhood and online, which brought the case to the public's attention through various media outlets, and the story grows. Now, on February 15th, now we're two weeks out from the time she goes missing. 
And I, I mean, it's downtown LA real quick. I just want to reiterate that. She vanishes. There's no other surveillance downtown in any city. There's surveillance on nearly every corner. Well, this is 2013. We're not quite at that point yet. Oh, yeah. No, even then. You think? 2013 wasn't when everybody like had them in their doorbells, but downtown places like you, you could find you could pretty reliably find cameras most places. Fair to say. I don't know for at least a missing. That's person, fair to like, say. Where, where, uh, you know, a person couldn't drag a body. No, yeah, you're right about yeah, you're right about that. Anybody trying to move a body, an unconscious or dead body, is going to get noticed. So on February 15th, again, we're two weeks out from the last time Elisa was seen in the lobby, the LAPD released a video of the last known sighting of her taken in one of the Cecil's elevators by video surveillance camera on February 1st. So this was video taken one day after communication with her parents stop. Communication stops on the 31st. She's last seen in the lobby on the 31st, and then the video picks her up on February 1st. What does the video show? This video really sparked international interest in this case because Elisa is making some strange movements, and James and I have it in front of us. We've watched it before, and it's, it's a strange video. It's about four minutes long. You can find it very easily on YouTube, sitting at about 24 million views. Yeah, yeah. It's creepy. I watched it years ago when I first heard about it, and it's creepier now, seeing it now. I I watched it years ago and kind of forgot about it, and it just seems creepier now for some reason. We're going to try to give you a little play-by-play and our reaction. It's, like James said, about four minutes long, and... I think Elisa's in the frame for about maybe two and a half minutes. So, door opens. Elisa comes in from the left and she immediately faces the elevator buttons. And it looks like she's pressing all the buttons down the middle. And she's standing in the corner with the elevator door open. She walks back towards the door one foot out and she does a quick peek out looking to the right now she has her back up against the wall and she slides into the corner against the button wall kind of looking outside the door makes her way back to the door she's standing in front of the door it's very strange And now she's peeking out. It, it's almost like somebody she's tr- trying to hide. Oh, now, or, now she's now she's this. in the hallway she's and stepping she's stepping strangely to the left and the right. She starts. To, she's almost she, out of frame. She's completely out of frame at this point. And she steps back. You see her right arm, and her right arm looks like it's playing with her hair or touching her face, but her face is out of the frame. About a minute and a half, she's coming back into the elevator, back over to the buttons, and she looks like she's pressing some sort of sequence of buttons. (laughs) 
in a very strange way. I'm sorry. I've heard I've heard people I'm, I'm, say I'm that not she. I'm laughing at the video. I'm laughing at your play by play. I know it's it's ridiculous, but it, I've heard some people say that she presses all the buttons. I don't think she does that. Now she's back outside in the hallway, looking into. She's making some sort of hand motions, like it almost looked like a, some sort of dance. This this seems like a woman having a breakdown, to me. And what what point are we at in the video? It's uh two like two minutes forty five seconds in, two minutes thirty seconds in. She walks off frame. And then the elevator I think just resumes its normal function and goes floor to floor, the door opening and closing on each floor, and that's pretty much the entire video. So if you get a chance, check it out on YouTube. It's definitely strange. I know my description won't do it any justice to any of you listening, but I did my best. I'm no yeah, Joe I, Buck or Chris Collinsworth. <laughs> I think it's best if people just look and watch the video. <clears throat> it definitely seems like she's motioning to someone that you can't see in the frame. The camera doesn't move. It's a still shot. She moves in and out of it. So, There's no cameras in that hallway she's in? That's the only footage that's out. So I know you joked about demons and, and everything, but do you have any like legitimate theory as to what's happening in that? Yeah, it seems like she's having a, a full-on breakdown. Like I, it, it seems like she's hallucinating. Hallucinating. And um, yeah, like her behavior... It's not even what she sees. It's just her behavior is completely changing from point to point. She walks in like whimsically. Yeah, she kind of. I thought there was she, a point where she kind of smiles. Yeah, like she walks in halfway like whimsically, in. and then she has like fun pressing the buttons. Like how like boop, she's boop, acting boop, like boop, a little boop, kid. Yeah, right there, and then she sits there, and then suddenly it's like it's like code red. There's somebody in the hallway. Yeah, she's checking each side real quick and then steps back in, up against the wall, Yeah, and into the corner. It looks like she's trying to hide. But, but I think, yeah, I think But she's, whatever she'd be mm. hiding from, she then goes back out to exactly where... Yeah, but then look, she steps she's out. She's visible. She steps out, and then she's now she's looking to her left, and she starts doing like a shuffle. Yeah. I, I think her state of mind is completely changing from one moment to the next i don't know why i don't it, it's over whether, a very short period of time whether drugs or a mental breakdown but my money's on mental breakdown honestly like just by looking at it it's scary i know like her hand movements are actually strange looking to the point where they may like upset people by watching it well that coupled with the fact that i think that the elevator door stays open and people like to Oh yeah. People like to assume that that's some sort of game that she's that she's playing. With. Apparently, there's a, an elevator game where you press a certain sequence of buttons, and at a certain point, a lady gets on with you, and you don't say anything to this lady, but then 
she gets off and then you get off and you're in another dimension and you have to find your way back to this elevator press a different sequence of buttons it's like a bloody mary game yeah exactly a perfect example like a game just where you can scare the shit out of themselves playing people for have some speculated online yeah exactly something kids do just to scare themselves and have fun and certainly i can remember as a kid doing something like this on an elevator where you just run your hands down and press every single button there and you know, just to be an asshole kid, to have to, it's just funny as a kid. And so there's been different speculation. Or she's playing this elevator game or she's, she's just being goofy. But I, don't I think you're playing a game. If, if she's, if she's playing a game with herself, if, if this I, is all a game, then, then she's in a regressed mindset, in which case she's still not in the right, like, state of mind. Yeah, I'm with you, I think. Because. I'd like to go with Occam's razor. The most logical explanation is the most likely. And based on what we've been going with, with her bipolar treatment and the multiple medications she's on and traveling, traveling alone unsupervised, who knows if she was drinking in her off time it's or... A, it's a classic rule of thumb. If it seems like a demon possession, it's probably a mental illness. Yeah. <laughs> um, so did they ever, ever find her? Because well, this was how long ago? This was in February of 2013. 2013. So what happened? So during the search for Elisa, guests at the hotel began complaining about low water pressure. Some later claimed that their watercolor actually turned black and it had a very unusual taste. In one of four 1,000-gallon tanks providing water to guest rooms, a kitchen, and a coffee shop, Elisa Lamb's body was found on the morning of February 19, 2013. The body of a Canadian woman who was missing in L.A. has now been found. Elisa Lamb disappeared three weeks ago. Yesterday, her body was found inside a water tank on top of the hotel where she had been staying. How and why Elisa Lamb died inside a water tank on the rooftop of the Cecil Hotel in downtown Los Angeles is a mystery. The roof is secured with an alarm and a lock and a key to the door access. The tank was drained and cut open since its maintenance hatch was too small to accommodate equipment needed to remove Lamb's body. The full coroner's report was released in June of the same year. It stated that Elisa's body had been found naked, clothing similar to that what she was wearing in the elevator video was floating in the water, coated with a sand-like particulate. Her watch and her room key were also found with her. So that being said, we can assume that February 1st is when she somehow got into this tank on the roof. Now, the body was moderately decomposed and bloated. It was mostly greenish with some marbling evident on the abdomen and the skin separation was starting to be evident there. So based on that, I'm sorry to be so graphic, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, we can assume that the, the body was in the water for a good amount of time. 
pressure in the water was terrible. The shower was awful. The water, and when you turned the tap on, the water was coming black first for two seconds, and then it was going back to normal. But in UK, we drink water from tap, and it has completely proper, nice taste. But the water here, but we, but we, we never thought anything of it. Before the pollution. There was no evidence of physical trauma, no evidence of sexual assault or suicide. So you have to ask yourself if there's no evidence of suicide that leaves only one other option. Homicide. But what on what grounds did they say that she didn't willingly walk in there? Well, toxicology tests were, first of all, incomplete because there wasn't enough blood preserved. But from what they could do, it showed traces consistent with the prescription medication found among her belongings with her, her regular prescriptions, as well as uh, non-prescription drugs such as Sinotab, which is just your basic over-the-counter sinus medication and ibuprofen. So she wasn't taking any kind of recreational drugs, at least from what they could see in the blood tests that they could perform. But a very, very small quantity of alcohol, about 0.02% was present. But like I said, no recreational drugs. Was there any any sign that she was low in her medication? Is I there any... I couldn't, couldn't find They can't po possibly deduce if she had... I guess it'd be a very hard thing to tell if she just missed a dose of something. Well... I've had past experiences with that myself, but I don't know if they were able to determine that and didn't release that information or they just weren't able to determine that. Right. Because it said toxicology tests were limited. It, it was limited. It was incomplete. Okay. On February 21st, the LA coroner's office issued a finding of accidental drowning with bipolar disorder as a significant factor. So there's some other factors and uh, circumstances that make it all that more suspicious and mysterious. The coroner's office, again, issued a finding of accidental drowning. However, the hotel's fire escape could have allowed her to bypass certain security measures that were in place to restrict access to the roof from the hotel on the inside. The Hotel Cecil had fire escapes on the outside of the building designed to take everybody. So she used that to get up there? Well, it's a theory. A video was made after Elisa's death and posted to the internet that showed the hotel's roof was easily accessible via the fire escape and that two of the lids on the water tanks were in fact open. Hmm. Uh, That's interesting. Which... Because, you know, I'm so, I feel most certainly convinced, like, I'm not, this isn't a podcast where I'll, I'll bullshit the audience for, sure. for, for drama's sake. Sure. I, I most certainly feel that it's a mental illness thing, but if it wasn't, like, if there's just some guy, yeah. you know, like, that's, that's what's always scary to me, is like, I feel so certain that it's one way. But also the ease at which people can just do things and, and, and get away with things is frightening. 
You're absolutely so, right so, about that. And so that's, when I when I have doubt in in my heart is when I start to get a little afraid. So I think a big piece of me just genuinely wants to just label it mental illness. Right. Yeah, and that's fair. But it's that part of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast because evil could be anywhere, and it's it's present in everything that we've presented. So I think the fact that there's no full closure on this case adds an air of more mystery and it's a little bit uh, unresolved. Now, theories about Elisa's behavior in the elevator video did not stop with her death. Some argued that she was attempting to hide from a pursuer, perhaps ultimately responsible for her demise. But on the video, if that was the case, you know, she wasn't doing a very good job of hiding. Yeah. Others said that she was merely frustrated with the elevator's apparent malfunction. Again, we said the door was staying open, and I think we can attribute that to the fact that she was messing with the buttons. She may have even, yeah, pressed the stop button. There's no sound in the video. Yeah, there's, maybe there, yeah, there's maybe no there's sound. An, we should say that. Maybe, yeah. there's, maybe she hit the emergency stop button and an alarm was going off. Well, if an alarm was going off, somebody probably would have came to check it out at some point. Is that how? I don't know. Maybe, but can't you just keep holding the... I don't, I don't know. know. I've never had to use it. But let me say this much. I've heard before that she comes in, people that have described this this video before, that she comes into the elevator and pushes all the buttons on on the elevator car. Now, I can't see how many buttons are there there's 19 floors so i imagine there's at least two columns of buttons on this elevator panel it seems to me that only one is lit up and it looks like it's right down the the center there i can't be sure it's a little grainy but maybe she just you know like you said there's no sound maybe she hit a a trip yeah and it just and stopped it. it just stopped the function and looking at that video i if I could come up with five adjectives to describe her behavior, frustrated wouldn't be on that list. I don't know. She doesn't appear frustrated to me at any point. No, part. it looks like she, I, like she I said, frightened. She looks scared for her life at one point. She looks I jolly. I saw a smile yeah. at one point. It looks like she's she joking at one point. Um, it's erratic. Um, uh, what else? Some proponents of the theory that she was under the influence of some sort of drugs aren't dissuaded by the absence of drugs in her toxicology screen, suggesting that they might have broken down during the period of time that her body was decomposed in decomposing in the tank. Yeah, it was limited. So either that or that she might have taken rare cocktails of such drugs that a normal screen would not detect. Hmm. I don't know if that's possible. I, I would think they would find something if there was something there to find. Uh, the autopsy itself, it does not say what the results of the rape kit and fingernail kit were, or even if they were processed. So there's room for speculation there and conspiracy theory there just because of that fact. Uh -huh. Something's left out of an investigation. Yeah, whenever there's a uh, something you don't know. Yeah. It gets filled uh, with all kinds of things. Yeah. It's a vacuum for conspiracy and, uh, and paranormal in this case. The autopsy also records 
subcutaneous pooling of blood in Elisa's rectal area, which some professionals suggest was a sign of sexual abuse. However, one pathologist has noted that it could have resulted from the bloating that occurred in the course of the body's decomposition. So there's conflicting reports among different professionals and uh, even the coroner's pathologists appeared to be ambivalent about their final conclusion that Elisa's death was accidental. Since her death, Elisa's Tumblr account, her blog, has updated. Now, this is presumed to be through Tumblr's Q option, which allows posts to automatically publish themselves even while the user's away. Now, I, I don't, again, and know anything about Tumblr as far as the workings of it. You explain to me what it is on the, on the surface. Uh, yeah, you can queue up posts. So, I mean, uh, do we know how long they continued to post after she died? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know how long it continued to do so. I mean, we're seven years after the fact yeah. now. So whether the continued updates to her blog were facilitated by the, the theft of her phone, the work of a hacker, or through the queue itself on, on the Tumblr app is not known nor is it known whether the updates are related to her death. So still some unanswered questions, I guess you could say, surrounding the autopsy and, and toxicology reports, and uh, especially the phone is a little bit mysterious. Yeah, that, and, that is strange. Yeah. And it just all in all it lends to the, the, that checkered history of the, of the Cecil Hotel. You know, it's unfortunate because I, I don't think Elisa's parents are ever going to really have full answers as to what happened to their daughter. But no, I don't, I don't think anyone, anyone will ever really know what she saw or felt that day. No, no. It's really a strange case. But just to wrap up here, in September of 2013, Elisa's parents filed a wrongful death suit against the hotel claiming that the Cecil had failed to inspect and seek out hazards in the hotel that presented an unreasonable risk of danger to Elisa Lamb and other hotel guests and sought unspecified damages and burial costs. Now, the hotel argued that it could not have reasonably foreseen that Elisa might have entered the water tanks and... And that since, yeah, it remained unknown how Elisa got into the water tank itself, no liability could be assigned for failing to prevent that. Kind of makes sense, unfortunately. It, yeah, like, it really kind of does. You can't... I understand their pain, but I, I don't think there there was much of a um, suit there. Yeah, and in 2015, the, the suit was dismissed. Yeah. What so, do you think? Well, it's like I said, it's just a very unfortunate situation in that you know a young a very young girl lost her life she was struggling with uh, a series of mental issues and it, it just goes to show that the the conversation about mental health i think needs to be uh 
more open and less shamed, I think, is the word I'm looking for. How about you? What, what, do you have any final thoughts on the, on the whole case? That the video was very scary and unnerving because just the way, her behavior. And a few years ago, I would have loved to kind of like buy into a, some sort of paranormal scenario, but yeah, there is a lot of that. But I floating I, around on I Reddit. I just don't feel that way, and um, I think this was a girl who was just in um, in the pit, you know, for whatever her mental state was and and she was reacting in a bad way you yeah know? um yeah. people who have all kinds of everyday mental illnesses when unchecked uh, they can experience hallucinations they can experience del delusions and and paranoia and all kinds of things and again even if you just suffer from everyday depression that's that's something like if it's bad enough then, yeah then and it goes unchecked mm -hmm. this is where it can lead yeah um, but heavy antidepressants like Seroquel or, or Effexor, if you miss a dose, yeah, people have killed themselves. Wow. People have absolutely, they have killed themselves for missing dose, especially if it's, um, things that, that have, uh, antipsychotic properties was namely Seroquel. Like I took that one for a little while and I missed one and it, was insane really it was yeah being on a, like a strong anti-depressant medication if, if you mess with your medication you could be worse than no medication oh well i'm not on it's an odd thing because i take medication for epilepsy i don't know if i've mentioned that on the podcast before but don't think you have that is the case i take two prescriptions myself one of which is an antipsychotic but it doubles as an anticonvulsant which is why i take it um yeah I, but know, yeah i have on, i've suffered from severe mood swings mm -hmm. in the past on that note people take antipsychotic medications for it's such a heavy sounding word but people get prescribed to them all the time for wealth of reasons. Yeah. You know, yeah. again, searching and coming, you got to work with a psychiatrist when you take medications like these. You have to... You have to be willing. You have first. to be willing and you have to be patient because it's going to take some trial and error. Right. And you have to find out what works for you. Right. And um, it's a, it's always trying a different cocktail and, and mixture of, of different medications. Even for myself... With uh, epilepsy, I started real young when I was 14, 15 years old. And it wasn't until, you know, recently, within the last 10 years, that I really got this thing under control. Yeah. So, you know, with any type of chemical you're putting into your body, it's going to take time for your body to adjust. And, you know, if this girl, Elisa Lamb, was not taking it or mixing it or you know with alcohol that is and or you know just messing with the dosage in some way it could have severe yeah i um i had to tell my psychiatrist to, to uh give me give me something lighter because yeah. i have i have a very bad habit of not being very consistent with my medications a lot or, of people do yeah. and a lot of people not have a have a problem not recognizing the the problems that 
you're like you said you you need something lighter a lot of people mm-hmm. have trouble recognizing something like that yeah they just Whether feel they that need, they're yeah they just the, feel they're off they're they the, or the world is ending they don't know how to handle it because that's how it feels yeah so everybody out there that's that's dealing with something you're not alone no never all right so uh i guess we'll just wrap it up from there yeah thank you for listening everybody you got anything else you want to mention not in regards to that one that's um it was a cool little casey but you brought yeah. it to my attention namely the 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 cecil um the with the hotel that's a very interesting location yeah it's got some dark history to it figure we'd just do a little short and sweet easy story this week uh we'll have some gory or stuff for fans of that coming up soon james do you i think we're gonna cover we've been talking about cults yeah i want to do a cult episode but we don't know to what capacity so yeah i'm, I'm in the grounds of like trying to start my own just, <laughs> just to have a little ground research too much positivity anymore ours is going to be all about feeling down on yourself <laughs> self-loathing yeah let's, let's go back to some of that huh no thank you for thank you for listening thanks for Thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, we love the feedback. Keep emailing me. I'm getting to the point where I can't respond right away. So don't feel like your messages have fallen on deaf ears. They certainly haven't. So we thank you for all the inbox messages, all the support, all the criticism, constructive or otherwise. It's all good. We love it all. If you want to reach out, we can hit us up at darktailpodcast at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter at Joe underscore the host or at a darktail pod. And James is just out there. I haven't figured out what to plug yet. I think I'm doing some streaming on the side, but it hasn't been substantiated enough to plug it every week. So next time. Okay. Thanks for listening. Yeah. All right. Signing out. Until next time. Evil could be anywhere. Dun, 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 dun. That was that was the tone that signifies.